Well, what's good, CHCC family and friends? Hey, let me welcome everyone once again to our worship gathering this morning. What a joy it is to be able to gather as God's people around his word. And what a joy it is to be continuing in our sermon series through the book of Ephesians called Grace Through Faith, A Gift from God. So let me go ahead and get everybody to turn to the book of Ephesians. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter one. Hey, if you need help finding where the book of Ephesians is, that's okay. Just look at the beginning of the book in the table of contents and find what page the book of Ephesians starts on and then just jump in with us from there. As mentioned last week, we are walking through this passage, verses three through 14, a little slowly. We're walking through the passage, and, and as we're walking through this passage, we are seeing that all three persons of the Trinity are at work in uh, the roles of, of salvation. We, we see them at work in their roles, their distinct roles, in this glorious salvation. So last week we chopped it up in verses 3 through 6. This week we'll be looking at verses 7 through 10. And so Go ahead and turn there. I'll be reading the whole passage just to give us a flow of the passage. And before I do that, let me ask God for his help. So let's let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, once again, what a joy it is to gather um, as your people and to hear your word preached now. God, would you uh, glorify yourself in this time? Would you be made much of? God, would, would as I preach, Lord, um, yeah, help me to... Yeah, preach Yeah, your very words, God. And I pray that all of our listeners, Lord, would, would hear only you, that they wouldn't hear Josh, but that they would hear you, God. That's why we're here. That's why we're gathering, because we want to hear from you. We want to meet with you. And so, God, I pray in this time thus far and even now in this preaching time that we have been doing just that, that we are meeting with you. So, God, we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So Ephesians chapter one, verses three through 14 reads this. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. So if you're taking notes with us this morning, we're continuing to tease out our main idea from last week. And we'll be doing this next week as well as we dive more into the Holy Spirit. But we're continuing to tease out this main idea. What is it? God the Father has blessed every believer with every spiritual blessing, salvation, in the Son, by the Spirit. Once again, God the Father has blessed every believer with every spiritual blessing, salvation, in the Son, by the Spirit. Another way to put it, each person of the Trinity plays a role in our salvation. And we see this teased out in verses 3 through 14. Last week we talked about God the Father and His role. This week we'll be talking about God the Son. Once again, something that I want to be clear on is that every believer's salvation is a work that has involved all three persons of the Trinity. This is a work that every uh, person in the Trinity was involved in. We talked about the Trinity last week more in depth. Uh, so if you weren't tuned in, let me encourage you to check out that message from last week as you'll hear more about the Trinity and things along those lines. But briefly, the Trinity is who our God is. The Trinity is who our God is. Uh, he has re revealed himself as one being, three distinct persons. So our God is Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, one God, one being, one essence, three distinct persons with three distinct roles in our glorious salvation. Wayne Grudem defines the Trinity as this. God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God and there is one God. So I only have two uh, points for us this morning. And here they are. So here are the two points. Point number one, we have been redeemed by the Son. We have been redeemed by the Son. And we'll see that in verses 7 through 8. Point number two, we have received revelation in the Son. We have received revelation in the Son. And we'll see that teased out in verses 9 through 10. So point number one, we have been redeemed in the Son. Look back with me at verse 7. What does it read? It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Notice that this verse starts out saying in him, which refers back to the end of verse 6 where it says, bless us in the beloved. So God the Father has blessed us in the beloved. Well, who is this beloved? The beloved is the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The text continues to say that we have something. We, we referring to us Christians, those of us who have put our faith, our trust in Jesus for salvation. So Christians have redemption through Jesus's blood. Two really important things that I want to highlight before we move forward. Two things to note. One, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. We discussed this some last week and all throughout our services, right? Uh, but this is what Christians believe because it's what the Bible teaches. 
Here's one example of many for our time now. Look with me at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and these should pop up on the screen. John 1, verses 1 through 3, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So in this passage, we see at least five key things, at least five key things. And here they are right here. One, the word existed in the beginning before the foundations of the world. The word is eternal. So we see that in the beginning was the word. All right. Number two, the word was with God. So the word. So here we, we have we have God and we have the word. So the, the word was was with God. So the distinct word was with God. You see that distinction there? He was with God in the beginning. Number three, the word was God. This clearly is telling us that the word was God. So here we have God. Here we have the word. The word is on the same level as God. The word is God. This is who the word is. Number four, notice verse two. What does it say? It says, he referring to the word. So now the word is personified and he was with God in the beginning. You see that in the text? So the, the word is a he, a person. And number five, all things were made through him, through the word. So we see this, that the word is, is Jesus. This is who, uh, we're, we're talking about here. This is who John is referring to. He's referring to the Lord Jesus, who is God. And the second important thing to note is that Jesus is human. Jesus is human. Look with me. We're still in the same chapter, John chapter one. But look with me at verse 14 and then following after that verse uh, 18. And so verse 14 says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You see that you see that the word, as we saw in verses one through three of, of John chapter one, has now become flesh. So this word uh, who is God has now become flesh. That's what the text says. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he became a human being. So Jesus became something that he was not. God became something that he was not. This is what we call the incarnation. Just a fancy word that just means that God, the son, became man. He became a human being. He put on flesh like an Allen Iverson jersey. This was a supernatural work that only the supernatural God could do. Jesus, the son, being born of the Virgin Mary. Listen with me at John uh, 1, verse 18. So still in the same chapter, just verse 18 now. It says, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. John continues to just bask in and tell us that the word is God and that the word is the Lord Jesus. Do you see that here in this text? This is crucial to know and to believe as Christians that Jesus is fully God 
and that he is fully man. This is, to use another fancy word this morning, the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union just means this, that Jesus is fully God and that he's fully man. Jesus is divine and human. This doesn't mean that Jesus is two persons. No, he's one person with two natures, divine and human. Those two natures are unified in the one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see this truth in many other places in scripture as well. We'll look at one of these places, but let me encourage you to write these references down and check them out in your own time. But here's, here's a couple of references that I want you to check out. So 1 Timothy 2, 5, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. And I would encourage you to actually read that whole chapter. But Hebrews 1, verses 8 through 9. And then Colossians 2, verse 9. So, so check those out and see, man, this glorious hypostatic union uh, just leaping up from the pages of scriptures there. But we'll look at Philippians chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. So chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Do you see that in this rich passage? Do you see that the Lord Jesus is both God and man, that he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. Ah, what humility. This is who Jesus is. He is fully God and fully man. And this means the world. Why does, why does this all matter? Well, it, it, it means a whole lot. It matters a whole lot. Without Jesus being God and being man, we don't have what comes next in verse 7. We don't have what comes next. We don't have redemption and forgiveness of our trespasses if Jesus isn't God, if he isn't man. We don't have these things. Simply put, only God could satisfy the wrath of God. So it had to be God who paid the penalty for our sin. But he had to be a man for his death to be applied to man or to humanity. And not just any mere man. He had to be sinless. And he was sinless and perfect because he's God. Because he's God. So because this is true, Christians, notice that the text says we have redemption. We have redemption, meaning that this is something that has already happened to those who are believers. This is something that has already happened. This is something that we already possess as believers. We possess redemption now. We have it now by God's grace. Praise God that we have redemption, right, beloved? That we have 
redemption now. So the word redemption here means, as John Stott defines it, it means this. It means that deliverance by payment or price. Excuse me, deliverance by payment of price. So the idea here is ransom. You know, like when someone holds another person captive and asks for guap money in exchange for the person's freedom, you know? Is this not what the Lord Jesus did for you and I as believers? Is this not what he did for us as Christians? I mean, think about it. Sin held us captive. Sin held us captive. But Jesus' life and death on the cross in our place freed us from sin's captivity and Satan's grip. Isn't that profound? Isn't that amazing? Ah, I can hear one of my favorite rappers song ringing in my head right now. Eshawn Burgundy off of his album, The Fear of God, has a song called Blood Money. Here, peep, peep the hook. He says, blood money, blood money, blood money, money. He paid for it all in blood. That's the price of love. Blood money, blood money, blood money, money. He paid for it all in blood. I knew you would. Isn't that amazing? This is what the Lord Jesus did. He paid our sin debt by his blood. That's what it cost him, his life. And look what was granted to us because of this payment. Look what we received. Look back with me at verse 7b. Here's what it reads. The forgiveness of our trespasses. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Now, trespasses in this context is not like how you and I would get in trouble if we are in someone's yard or on someone's property where we shouldn't be, where we have no business being. No, this is meaning an offense. It's meaning sin against God. But because of Jesus' sacrifice, God will forgive us of our sin. This is the beauty of what Jesus has done in our place. And you know how like in the movies when uh, a ransom situation goes down and the captor tries to negotiate or he tries to go up on the price, he or she tries to go up on the price uh, than what they had already agreed to. You know how that happens? The people are like, man, we're just trying to get our family member back or our friend back and, and the terms we had already agreed to. Ah, thanks be to God that no matter how high your sin debt was, no matter how high you thought the price of your sin was, Jesus' payment was enough. It was enough. He paid it in full. It wasn't no negotiating. He paid it in full for you, for me. And then lastly, the, the father did all of this through the son by his grace. We see that uh, later in the text. We, we talked about God's grace in the first sermon of this series. Uh, and grace is a consistent theme all throughout this letter and really all throughout the entire Bible. But what is grace? Well, it's God's unmerited favor. It's something you can't earn. You can't earn God's grace. It's something that he gives. Or as some have given it an acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. 
We receive God's riches and grace because of Christ and his sacrifice. Look back with me at the text. Let's look back at verse 7c. It says, according to the riches of his grace. So, man, we have been redeemed. We've received redemption through Jesus' blood. And as a result of that, man, we have been forgiven. For those of us who are believers and who have put our trust in him, we've been forgiven of all of our sin. But guess what? It wasn't, it wasn't done because of you or me. What was it done for? Why was it done? Uh, according to the riches of his grace. Man, God is balling in riches of grace, yo. And look at what he does with it. He's, he's balling out. In grace, look at what he does with it in verse 8. It says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. <laughs> he lavished his grace upon us. In other words, he gave his grace generously to us. He's so generous with his grace. I remember uh, this, this re reality TV show called My uh, Super Sweet 16. Some of you have probably seen it. Um, I don't know how I might have seen it. You can blame my wife. Um, probably saw it with her. But uh, this reality TV show is, is mostly about 15-year-old girls who are turning 16. And sometimes it might feature some of the guys who are, who are turning 16. But essentially, yo, they just got mad dough. <laughs> they just got a lot of money and they can blow it on, man, making their... 16th birthday, the best birthday possible. So they, they receive all these gifts, I mean, from parents and friends and whomever. They, they go all out. They, they do it big. And they are basically getting showered with gifts, showered with presents. But those presents will fade. Those new shoes or that new car will get scuffed. All of those different things that they receive they will get tired of it. They'll want something else. But thanks be to God that, man, he's so rich in his grace and he has lavished it upon us. Man, we continue to, to, to feast upon it. We continue to bask in it. We continue to, to receive more and more and more and more of his grace. Even now, we receive his grace. His grace is, is unending. Ah, oh, we have a great God who is rich in his grace. So this morning, if you are not a believer, man, you are not experiencing God's grace in the fullest as you can. Now, you are experiencing God's grace this morning that, man, he woke you up this morning, that he uh, allowed you to tune in to this worship gathering. That's God's grace. But God also wants to, uh, man, shower you with his grace in the Lord Jesus, in what the Lord Jesus has done on your behalf. That's what we've been talking about, is that, man, believers have redemption in Christ through his blood. What does that mean? Why, why is that important? Well, it means that you are a sinner. You are a sinner, and I'm a sinner, saved by God's grace. But that you have sinned 
against a holy God, a loving God, who because of your sin has to punish it. He has to punish it. And you know what that punishment is? That punishment is death. And not just death, but death in hell. Which means you would be eternally separated from him. Never to have another chance to receive him. To receive that grace that we're talking about. Never to have another chance to receive that grace. But you would be separated from him. But what grace, what rich grace that we've already been talking about this morning in the Lord Jesus, that God the Father sends God the Son to take your place, to take on your wrath, your punishment. Man, that's what the Lord Jesus did. He comes and he lives a perfect sinless life in your place and in my place. And he dies a death that you and I deserved because it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. He had no sin to die for. It was our sin that put him on the cross. But man, ah, Jesus is so good. He went to the cross for you and me. And he died on that cross. And he was buried in your place and in my place. He laid in a grave. And then on the third day, he rose. He rose from the dead, proving that he's God, proving that God the Father received his sacrifice. And you know what that means for you and for me now? Is that, man, verses 7 through 10 can be realized in your life. You can now receive redemption because Jesus came to redeem you. You can now receive forgiveness of all of your sin. I'm talking everything that you've done that has been unpleasing in God's sight. Man, because of Jesus' death, because of his bloodshed, man, his blood covers that. He, he covers it all. You, you don't have to cover it this morning. Jesus' blood can cover it for you. So would you come to him? Would you... Man, repent. This is the way you come to him. Repent, which means to turn away from the sin that he hates and turn to him by faith, by trust, in hope, in him alone and what he has done for you. And the Bible says you'll be saved. So confess your sin, repent of your sin and receive the Lord Jesus this morning by faith. If you've, if you've done that this morning, or, or if you are thinking about that or have questions about that, man, it would be our joy as a church body to walk with you on that journey. Just hit us up. We would love to have further discussions about what it means to live for the Lord. Just hit us up at admin at congressheightscommunitychurch.org, and we would love to get you some materials, uh, help you think through uh, your life with the Lord Jesus. We would, it would be our joy to to support you in your new journey. Amen. And if you're a believer this morning, ah, man, you should be leaping for joy because of this grace in the Lord Jesus that we experience on a daily basis. Don't let it get old to you. 
Don't let it get stale. Don't let it. It can't. It is good news now and will forever be. Rest in it. Bear hug it. Sink deep into this good news of the gospel this morning, believer. You need it. I need it daily. So and, and, and be encouraged by it. It's our only hope. We have no other hope but the Lord Jesus and this gospel. So hope in him. Hope in him this morning. Which leads to my second and final point this morning. We have received revelation in the Son. We have received revelation in the Son. This is point two in our final point from verses 9 through 10. Look back with me at verse 9 where it reads, Making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. So, so God in his rich grace saves us and reveals his will to us, which was set forth in Christ. Do you know what his will is? Do you know what his plan is? Well, it's, it's the end of uh, verse 10. It says to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God's plan is moving us towards something. He's moving us towards something. That something is unity in Christ. Yes, the unity in this context is about Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles meaning non-Jews, all of us who are non-Jews, which trickles to us today. Not to skip ahead, but for this context, Paul lets us know that this mystery that God has in view is in chapter 3, verse 6 of Ephesians. So here's what it reads. Chapter 3, verse 6 of Ephesians. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is mad dope, yo. This is what the gospel does. It brings people from every tribe, every nation, and tongue together and makes us one people in Christ. Black, white, Latino, Asian, etc. The gospel unites us together as Christians. That's what the gospel does. We have all been saved by the same blood, Jesus. We're all unique. We're all different. We all have different backgrounds. But man, like the Lord Jesus has brought us together. This was his plan to unite people from all different backgrounds under him and in him. One quick application on the unity tip. As Christians, you know, we should be united on the gospel front and da 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 and all these other different things, right? We should be united on these things. But you know what else we should be united on? We should be united on the fact that racism and white supremacy is a sin and that it's wrong. When we're thinking about unity, this is this this distorts unity. This this doesn't help the unity. So this this is wrong and that it affects uh it if it, it it affects my people, it affects Latino brothers and sisters, it affects our Asian brothers and sisters. 
And it's been affecting us for so long and that it's sin and that it's wrong. Why? Because we're image bearers. We're, we're image bearers. We all have dignity, worth, and value in God. Our bodies mean something to God and should mean something to all of humanity. I mean, just this past week with the guilty verdict of Derek Chauvin in, in the murder of George Floyd, we, we as a people saw a glimpse, right, of this hope for a split second, only for us to mourn more loss on the same day and during the week. As Christians from all different backgrounds, we should be united in one another's mourning. You may not understand what it feels to, to be like me or a black man, to, to be like a black man. You, you may have questions about that. You, that's okay. Just be united with us in our grief, in our pain, in our mourning, in our fight. Racism is an everyone fight. Justice here on earth will take us all working together. This unity doesn't stop here. It goes even further in restoring all things. This is also ultimately what's in view here. That's what God's plan is for Jesus. That's where we're headed. Jesus is coming back to unite all things in heaven and earth in him and under his complete rule and authority. This is what the scriptures teach us about the new heavens and new earth reality. Jesus is coming back to restore all things, to issue us into a new and better reality. Listen to Revelation 21 verses 1 through 4. Here's what it reads. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you uh, for your redemption. We thank you for um, yeah, what you are up to, God. God, you're so good. We thank you, God, uh, on, on where we're headed, that you are Lord Jesus, coming back to restore all things, to do away with the injustices, to do away with sin, to do away with everything, God, that's not pleasing in your sight. And um, to, yeah, Lord, restore, to unite, and ultimately bring everything, Lord, under your complete rule and authority. Thank you, God, that you're so gracious enough to save a people to be with you for all of eternity. God, we, we, we thank you for your rich grace. We love you. We pray that we would rest in that the rest of this day.
In Jesus' name, amen.